0: Hi again everybody, I am not here to bring the message for today, but I'm here to introduce somebody to you who is, it's her very first time to preach at New Life, and you probably know her because it's Erin Myelke, who's our REACH director, and she's with you in the chat many weekends. So this is her first opportunity to bring a message, and it's the conclusion of our series, I Believe in God, but her message is, I believe in God, but I don't trust Him. And so I wanna turn things over now to Erin Myelke. I'm really excited to hear the message that she has from God for all of us today. Hi, everyone. As Pastor Chris said, I am Erin Myelke, and I am the REACH coordinator here at New Life. As the REACH coordinator, I do a lot of things with graphics. So the scripture slides that you'll see during the message, I take care of those. I see things on our social media accounts, on our website and uh, I also oversee things on the online service. Preaching was not part of the job description. So, while I was sitting at the planning session for the fall message meeting with the pastors, when I saw the final topic for the series, I believe in God but, was I don't trust him, it was like all the air went out of the room. I just, I got this overwhelming feeling that I was supposed to deliver the message. So before I could talk myself out of it, I asked Pastor Chris, and he said yes, so here I am today. But talking to you about this subject, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, because on the one hand, I feel very qualified to talk about this, because time and time again, I have seen God's faithfulness, not only in my own life, but in the lives of others, and I know how good God is. But on the other hand... Despite seeing God's faithfulness time and time again, sometimes I still let my own fears and doubts and all the baggage I have cause me to question God, to doubt Him and His faithfulness. But here's the thing. When we decide to give our life to Jesus Christ, everything is about Him. Everything we say, everything we do, it's all meant for Him and for His glory. So all these times that God has been faithful in my life and I've seen him faithful in others, I'm not supposed to hide it away, I'm not supposed to hoard it to myself and just keep it for me. I'm supposed to share it with others so that I can give other people hope and give God the glory. And so knowing that, all these things that have happened, I'm supposed to share them with you. And it's my hope that after listening to this message, you will feel confident in putting all of your trust in God. For a long time, I lived a pretty charmed life. I have wonderful parents, great brothers, loyal friends. I've enjoyed good health. I kind of hit the cookies a little hard during quarantine, but um, you know, no major problems. I've had amazing opportunities come my way. During my 20s, I was able to stay home and raise my two sweet boys, Logan, who you might have actually seen up with the worship band playing the electric guitar, and my son, Luke, who helps out with some tech stuff. From the outside looking in, it was a pretty charmed life. But um, you know, behind closed doors, my perfect life, it was a sham. My marriage was deeply unhealthy and was quickly coming undone. And when I realized that divorce wasn't just a possibility, but a reality, I was terrified. Because this perfect life that I had so carefully constructed, it was about to be taken away from me. I hadn't worked in 12 years, I had no income, I had no savings, no retirement, I had nowhere to live. I had no idea how I was gonna provide for my boys, let alone afford an attorney. And these are just, just some of the fears I had during this time. But the thing is, the only reason why I got through any of it is because of what God chose to do. This was the darkest time in my life and during that dark time, God shone his light so brightly in my life. I have never felt God more tangibly in my life than I did during that time. But before I tell you about some of this, I'd really like to pray with you. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak with everyone watching today, Lord, that I can just share with them how you have worked in my life, through people in my life, through me, Lord, and just how you are so good and so faithful and that you will never leave us in our situations, Lord. I pray that each person listening right now, Lord, that at the end of this, they would just go all in for you, Lord, and that they would just trust you with all that they have, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Most of us have used GPS. Uh, GPS stands for Global Positioning System. Yeah, Global Positioning System, in case some of you don't know. When we use GPS, we trust that it's going to get us where we need to go, and not only is it going to get us there, but it's going to take us the best route possible. But that trust can be misplaced because construction, an accident, outdated software, any unforeseen circumstance can delay how and when we get to our destination. I prefer to use a different type of GPS that outperforms the standard one every single time. This GPS I like to call God's providential signs. To see how accurate this one is, let's take a closer look at what it involves. So the dictionary defines providential as involving divine foresight or intervention. Okay, divine foresight. Foresight is the ability to predict or the action of predicting what will happen or be needed in the future. God has 20 foresight. We have 2020 hindsight. So in hindsight, yes, I could look back at all the things that happened and been, eh, yeah, Aaron, you really shouldn't have done that. But God, with his foresight, he knew all of that stuff was gonna happen before it even happened. In fact, he was so kind that he gave me multiple red flags before my wedding. And I ignored every single one of them. And he knew that I was going to do that. And in his goodness and graciousness, he still provided for me along the way. So all the people he was placing in my life, all the events, I had no idea at the time because I just thought that was, you go here, you see this person, you do this, this happens. But during all of that, God was making a way, so as I told you, I stayed home with my boys for all those years, and most of the time, you know, maybe a random experience would come up that I could do a little bit of work here or help out with something there, just enough to maybe make some extra money or get something on my resume, because if you look at my resume, it's so random. It is just a hodgepodge of all kinds of things that don't make any sense, but God's not random and neither are his plans. And all of that stuff that just looked like random experience is what was preparing me for this job here at New Life. It was preparing me for this life I have now. It was preparing me for this moment right now that I'm getting to talk to you and share my story with you. But this wasn't the only thing that God had prepared for me. So one of my ex-husband's friends uh, had this girl he was seeing, super sweet girl. We were all at a get together, just, you know, casual conversation. And it came up that she used to be a runner and wanted to get back into it and wanted to see if any of the wives' girlfriends would be interested in running with her. You need to know, I am not a runner, was never a runner, hated anything to do with running. And if you ever saw me running, you should probably start running too, because it meant we were either being chased or running for our lives. So knowing that, I still found myself saying, yeah, I'll do it. So I started running with her and I ended up doing a few 5Ks, a 10K, two half marathons and a full marathon, which that alone is a miracle in itself. So I really need to point that out as as a non-runner. In fact, in one of the races, um, just to show you how slow I was, there was an older gentleman who was, I guess she would say, speed walking, and he passed me up. But I made it to the finish line and all of that to say that my time with her was all working towards something else because in my final race with her, we were chatting and she told me about a new job she had at a job placement agency. Didn't think anything of it at the time, but then my marriage started to unravel and the divorce began and I needed to get a job. And then what popped into my head, her new job at the job placement agency. So I reached out to her, she got me set up with the agency. They got me an interview with a company called Zoll, and I got the job. So my first need, a job, check. So now I had a job, but I needed a place to live. And it was getting to the point where I couldn't find anything I could afford, and thought I was going to have to move in with my parents. Then out of nowhere, this perfect little rental popped up on Facebook, and I hadn't seen it. It was actually my mom and a few other people, I guess, had been scouring everything to find a place. They showed it to me. My mom and I made an appointment immediately because I knew this place was going to get snatched up, and we had an appointment the next day. The landlady just kind of moved us through quickly because she had a lot of other appointments that day with other interested people. And so we said our farewells, and I just crossed my fingers that this would work out. Well, about two hours later, I get a phone call from the landlady telling me that she had canceled all the other appointments. And she told me some really nice things. And then she said, Aaron, I just have this feeling that this is supposed to be your house. And it was. Um, My boys and I healed in that house. And we made a lot of great memories. And it was our, our little Lincoln house, as we affectionately refer to it. And um, God worked through that woman to provide me with a very big need, a home. So my second need, a home. Check. So now I had a job and a home and a lot of bills and no money to really pay these bills. My mom and dad had been incredibly generous and had helped me out with things, but. I didn't want to keep asking my parents for help. You know, I had to put my big girl pants on and figure out how I was going to make this happen. But there was a time where all of these bills were coming up and I just, I had no idea how I was going to make any of it happen. And I remember one night just pleading with God, just asking him to help me, to make a way, to just to do something. And I went to bed that night just feeling so helpless and hopeless. In fact, I ended up crying myself to sleep that night. And when I woke up the next morning, there was a notification on my phone from my bank saying that I had a deposit from Zoll. To this day, I still don't know what it was. It wasn't payday, there wasn't anything due to me, but it was the exact amount I needed to cover those bills. And so my third need, money. Check that one off the list. So I could tell you so many different things that God did, but what I really want is for you to be able to trust in God and to know who he is. So let's start with a familiar story in the book of Matthew. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, "'It's a ghost!' But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, He was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Now, none of us have actually walked on stormy waters, but I think I can say with a fair amount of confidence that most of us have weathered a storm or two in our lives. But when you were in that storm, did you keep your eyes focused on Jesus who was right there ready to help you? Or did you look around at your situation and sink into despair? Trust me, I get it. When bad things happen, it's really hard to focus on anything but the situation. But the thing is, Jesus already gave us a heads up about this. He told us there would be trouble. He didn't say there might be trouble. He said there will be trouble. And just, Jesus didn't leave it at just that. He told us to take heart because he has overcome the world. And we can overcome the world because we have Jesus in us. Now having Jesus in us doesn't mean that the storm will be removed. But it means we can survive it. To survive the storms, there's some important things we need to know about God. God knows what happens next. Jesus never changes. God makes a way. God is working for your good. God cares for his creation. God is more trustworthy than things. Jesus shows us his trustworthiness through his sacrifice. When we know these things, we can exercise our take-home point, which is what I'd really like you to walk away with today. And it's that I can trust God because I know God. God knows what happens next, which is really reassuring because I sure as heck don't. Proverbs tells us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding." Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Remember what I said about foresight and hindsight? Well, God sees the things that we can't see, and he knows the things that we can't know. So when we seek his will and we use his GPS, we're going to get to our destination. It doesn't mean that there won't be some hiccups or that you know there might not be a few problems or delays, but his way really is the best route. When we go our own way, there's a lot more wreckage. We know we can trust God's path because Jesus never changes. In the book of Hebrews we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you, but I find that really reassuring because there's a lot of people I know that, change from one moment to the next and you never know what you're getting with them. So to know that Jesus is a steady eddy that you can always rely on, that is so comforting. He is the true rock that steadies us because when we allow God to make a way for us, we stumble a lot less. Psalm 37.5 instructs us, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. But what about when we're submitting our will to God and life just, it still stinks. I mean, it, it is what it is. There's, there's going to be some yucky stuff that happens. But remember this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This, this is my heart verse. And everything that happens in my life, this is the one that I go back to. And the thing is, it says everything. Not just good for good, but the bad stuff too. But that can be hard at times when the bad stuff's happening to me, because how can that be good? But remember, if we are truly God's, everything is his and for his glory. And I think sometimes that helps to know that there's a purpose in the pain and to know that just that everything that's happening to us is for him and that he's going to use it. It also reminds us that God is always in control. He's not gonna just throw up his hands and walk away. He will never leave us in our struggles. In fact, the book of Matthew shows us why we can trust God to take care of us. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? When we stop and look at nature and just how perfectly ordered and cared for it is, you can see God's hand in it. And we, we were created in God's image. So if we're created in his image, don't you think maybe he might just take a little extra care of us? If we seek him first, God will provide our needs. He's not obligated to provide our wants. But being the great God that he is, sometimes he does that too. But you have to be careful though because material possessions, they are not an accurate indicator of God's favor. There are plenty of people out there that have no knowledge of God and their bank accounts are full. They have huge houses and fancy cars. But things can come and go quickly. King David reminded us Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. If God took everything away, all the things out of our lives, would we still love him? Would we still trust him? Would we still say he's good? If God took everything out of your life, would he and he alone still be enough? Is what he did on the cross for us enough? And this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. If we trust what Jesus did for us, how can we not trust him with the things in this life? He sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could have eternal life with him and yet we can't trust him with our day-to-day things? I mean, what, what is trust? Trust is defined as a firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. We trust complete strangers almost every day of our lives. We trust doctors to give us correct treatments and to know what's wrong with us. We trust bus drivers to get us to our job. We don't know their driving record, The buildings we're in, we trust that those carpenters made them sturdy and sound so it's not gonna collapse on us. The amusement parks, we trust safety inspectors that those old rickety roller coasters aren't gonna fall apart while we're on them. I mean, I could could list so many of them, but you get the point. We just, we don't know these people. We don't know their histories. We don't know their reliability. And yet, we willingly, blindly trust them all the time. And God, who has proved his faithfulness time and time again, we can't trust him? I mean, why don't we trust him? Is it because we didn't get what we wanted? What we needed? Was his answer or non-answer to a prayer not what we expected? Or were we not happy with the, the timing of his answer? I say it again. We trust complete, strangers. I mean, I can't count how many times other people have let me down or that I've let them down, and yet I still demand to stay in control of my life. And I think that's where we get to the heart of the matter. Control. We don't want to give up control. Giving God control of our lives means having to accept that the outcome isn't what we want it to be. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow because I think we like to comfort ourselves with this, this illusion of control. But if God is working all things for good, can't we trust him to work this out? It's not enough to say, I believe in God. In the first message of this series, Pastor Chris said, the demons believe in God. There's a distinct difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And that difference is the difference between an eternity in heaven and an eternity in hell. So you say you believe in God. Do you know him? Do you fear him? Do you go overboard for him? Do you trust him? To know God, to truly know God, is to say yes to all of those. If you find yourself hesitating or even saying no, I beg you to please dig a little deeper and find what that barrier is because your answers to these questions will impact your life. And not just this life, but your eternal life. Trust him with your heart, with your soul, with your life. Trust him every single moment of every single day. And if you can do that, then you can do today's next step, which is I believe in God and I trust him. I will trust him with whatever comes my way this week. Now, before I I end things here, I'd like to tell you one more thing. So several years ago, my older brother and I got into a pretty heavy discussion about God my older brother, he's retired military now, but at the time was in special forces and intelligence. So he's seen some stuff. And having seen some stuff, had a lot of questions about God that I couldn't answer. And I think even today, I probably, I probably still couldn't answer them. I mean, he, he has seen a lot of evil and, and wanted to know where God was when he saw those evil things and you know jesus said he's coming back where is he and i i couldn't answer him all i could do when we hung up the phone was just pray so some time passed and then he was coming up on what was going to be a particularly dangerous assignment in afghanistan and i kept getting this nudge that i was supposed to write him a letter Telling him who God is, how much God loves him, all the things, to just lay it all out there. And I kept ignoring that nudge, just like I do with everything else, because I didn't want to do it. So I just kept ignoring it. And I kept getting nudged and nudged and nudged. And finally, it was just like, Lord, I don't want to do this. If I do this, he is going to reject. Reject me. I, I I don't want to do this. And God kept nudging. And so finally, I wrote that letter, and I said, "Okay, God, I'm going to do it. I'm trusting you with this." So I wrote the letter, sent the letter. He rejected the message, and he rejected me. But I had given it up to God, so I, I had to trust because. God's word doesn't return void, right? So some more years passed, and I met my brother's wife for the first time, and she's this wonderful, faithful filled woman. And I was telling her how grateful I was for her presence in his life, and somehow the letter came up. And I said, you know, I, I wrote Rory a letter, and I don't think it was well received. And she said, oh, yeah, the letter. He told me about that but what she told me next, I never would have expected. So it turns out, while my brother was in Afghanistan, he and his unit came under enemy fire. All around him, guys were going down, and Rory was running out of ammo. And in that moment, he realized he probably wasn't coming home from this deployment. And in that moment, he remembered my letter. And I said a lot of things in that letter, but one of the things I said was, you're right, Rory, there is a lot of evil in this world. And sometimes, especially now, it feels like that darkness is gonna overtake the light. But God, God raised up people like my brother to fight back these forces of darkness. And I said, Rory, if you could just give your life to Jesus The things he could do with you and through you. So, as my brother prepared to fight his last battle, he gave his life to Jesus, and reinforcements showed up. So, my brother survived, and he is now a soldier for God. And I tell you this because I really didn't want to write that letter. I really didn't, and I struggled with trusting God with that because I knew what the one outcome would be, but God saw the things that I couldn't see, and yeah, the initial outcome was crap. My brother refused to talk to me. My relationship with him ended, but the final and more important outcome was better than I could have hoped for. So just. Don't. Don't wait for your Afghanistan moment. We have such a limited amount of time in this life. And you know what? Eventually, all of us are going to run out of ammo. And there's no guarantee that those reinforcements are coming. So, I just ask you that whether you need to trust Jesus with the situation, or with your life, today, today is the day.